Good morning, church. Uh, just wanted to um, let's just open up with some prayer. Dear Lord, we want to come before you this morning. Just lift up the this to you, Lord. We're looking forward to you. what you have for us in in your Word, Lord. And just thank you so much for this community that you've you've built up in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to be in Philippians. We're going to continue our study uh, through uh, chapter in, into chapter one on uh, partnering in the gospel. Uh, as we look at it, we're going to see three things. We're going to see um, joyful thankfulness. We're going to see um, empowering grace, and we're going to see um, perfect love. And if there's any more of a Christian word salad I could put together. I don't think, you know, maybe I could talk about righteousness, but like those are, those are the words that you're going to hear every church you walk into, it seems. But let's, let's make it a little bit more real uh, as we look at this and kind of understand what those mean. Uh, so a man um, was shipwrecked uh, uh, and alone on an island for many years. And when he was rescued, uh, the people who rescued him saw three buildings. And so they, so they said, well, what are these three buildings? This is a tiny island. And he says, oh, well, that, that one right there, that, that's my house. And they're like, okay, okay, that makes sense. And, and the other one, he says, oh, that, that, that one, that's my church, the second one. And, then, and so then they said, well, what's the third one? He says, oh, that's my old church. I didn't like the pastor there. <laughs> it was alone on an island. Um, we often find, like, discomfort is an excuse to force a change in our life, right? Like, I'm not comfortable here. I'm going to go to another church. I'm not comfortable here. I'm going to find a way out of this situation. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be looking at Paul and the Philippians, and Paul is in a very uncomfortable situation. Uh, and sometimes God wants us to be uncomfortable. Sometimes that works for his purposes, which should be our heart's goal. So... If you've ever been through a trial in your life, like a really, um, you know, need Jesus for every breath, every moment, trial in your life, when God carries you through that trial, you can find yourself on the other end wanting to go back because of the closeness you had with God. Because as you start to catch your breath, right? Like, oh, I can, I can actually make it through to the next day. I, you know, I'm not then you start to, you, I think you start to lose that closeness, that desperateness for God, and we should never let go of that desperateness. And so um, being uncomfortable is sometimes a good thing. Um, so to set the stage a little bit more, right, Paul, I said, is in prison. Now, the Romans didn't care about you if you were in prison. They, uh, they, they didn't feed you, they didn't clothe you, they didn't supply for anything that you needed. You were in prison and they felt that you deserved to be there. Uh, there's actually um, countries today that treat their prisoners this way as well. Um, so everything that Paul had had to be supplied by friends and family, right, everything. And so what has happened in this situation as we're going into Philippians is the Philippians have sent a care package to Paul along with Epaphroditus uh, to kind of deliver it and so he is now responding to them in this letter and explaining the situation so he can send that back to them. Um, so let's go ahead and read, starting in verse 3, chapter 1. says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, uh, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership 
in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So we start with being thankful in every situation. I was uh, actually uh, texting um, a friend on Friday night, uh, and I, I send people stupid internet videos all the time. So if you get a text from me, it's probably that. Uh, so I sent him this video, and it was making fun of some 90s video game we used to play growing up, speaking of the 90s again. Um, and, uh, and, um, and so I sent it to him, he says, oh, thanks, I needed that. And I'm like, you needed a stupid internet video? What's going on in your life right now? So I texted him back and I found out like he works at a hospital and like something had gone wrong and he had to go in like late night and be on call and do all that stuff. And he was like, he needed that like relief. And I was like, oh good, now I get to pray with you. And so like I was able to kind of partner with him. You know, he was doing his job but I was able to be there for him in a time that, that he needed. So uh, the... A few hours later, you know, he sent me a, a text saying, you know, hey, heading home now. And then his, his, the thing that he sent me, which I thought was hilarious, was at least there's no traffic. <laughs> he found a way to be thankful in, in the midst of all that because it was like midnight. He shouldn't have been at work. Um, and so finding places to be thankful. Uh, Paul describes this same thing in First Thessalonians. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But I want you guys to like, look at the contrast between those two things, right? Paul in 1 Thessalonians is saying, do this thing. I want you to pray always. I want you to be thankful in all circumstances. And then in this letter to the Ephesians, he says, I am praying for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm joyful for you. Like there's this really personal kind of um, approach that Paul has in, 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 this, in this response that, um, you know, I think is, is beautiful. It's because Paul has such history with the Philippians, and they've been supporting him throughout his ministry, uh, even through this point. Uh, so the, um, we'll get into that as we, as we get further along, but uh, I was also going to mention that I don't know if you guys are at all familiar with uh, Corrie Ten Boom, but um, in, the, uh, in World War II, uh, she was thrown into a concentration camp. She came out alive and, and wrote a book and talked about it, but she was, thrown, she was a Dutch Christian who was thrown into, into Nazi uh, concentration camp for hiding Jews from the, from the Nazis. Um, and in the camp, she found a way, she found ways to be thankful. In fact, she was complaining at one point to God about the fleas. They were getting bitten by fleas in their barracks. So like there was like not, you know, not a good time. And uh, she was imprisoned. She was dealing with all, the, all that stuff. 
and so and she and her sister were in the same barracks and they said uh, they said they came across first thessalonians 5 and they said we need to be thankful for god here in this nazi prison camp in these barracks with fleas biting us uh and so they started immediately thanking god for everything like i don't know if they felt it sometimes you reach that point where you i've just decided i'm gonna thank god I'm, i don't my heart will follow my head at that point so she started thanking god she thanked god for the fleas because God sent the fleas. And it, later she realized that the fleas kept the guards from inspecting their barracks. And because of that, they had a Bible study and started ministering to the people around them. It's, it's pretty amazing, right? So that discomfort was okay because God had a will and a plan for that. Paul is in prison. The discomfort is okay. He's got a will and plan. You might be uncomfortable right now. Trust in God. Thank, uh, thank him for it and seek his joy in it. Um, God is working in our lives for his goals, even when we don't understand what is happening. So there was a child um, in Sunday school uh, drawing pictures, and the teacher said, what are you drawing? And uh, the child said, God. So the uh, teacher said, you can't draw God. Nobody knows what he looks like. And the child said, they will when I'm done. (laughs) And so I love that story because that's us, right? Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? If they've seen us, they, they, they have to have seen God. Like, we want to be... Jesus to everyone around us. We might be the only, uh, I love that saying, you, you might be the only Bible that, anyone, that somebody reads. Your life, your gospel to them, like who you are. So be thankful for the growth and progress that we are making in our faith and pray for strength and wisdom to live according to God's will in those times of uncomfortableness. It's okay to pray, God, get me out of here, but... When he, if he doesn't answer, keep praying. And if he says no, praise him. And then Paul continues in verse 6 with a promise. Uh, it says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I think it's important to note that Jesus' involvement, God's involvement in your life does not end when you accept Jesus into your heart. It begins, right? It's important to know that God will continue to work in you and continue to have the best for you and continue to perfect you and continue to love you and bring people into your life that will love you. God will continue to do these things and that um, accepting salvation is the beginning of the journey. You might have... um, you might be here um, thinking, oh man, I blew it this week, I, you know, whatever happened, I blew it last night, whatever it is, it, it, it hasn't changed what God thinks of you. It doesn't, and so I think it's a lie of the devil that pushes us into shame and isolation, and it's, God knew what was going to happen yesterday, last week, whatever it was. And he promises to work in you to perfect you. And we'll get into that as we go on. But in Ephesians, which we just covered, 
says, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love that. I don't generally like to use the, pull out the Greek, but this one is very, very particular. When it says, uh, we are his workmanship, the word is poem, poema in Greek. The word we get for poem. You are God's poem. He's the artist, and he is writing that for you. So he will, I don't know if you've ever tried to write a poem, they're really hard. Uh, and it's really hard to get them right. And, but, you know, God is the perfect poet, and he is writing that. He's writing you. So continuing on in verse 7 so, uh, and 8, we are going to talk about grace. Uh, so the Bible talks about grace in many, uh, many contexts. Here he says, It is right for me uh, to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Now, when I talk about grace, the, the, that will um, typically mean, when the, when the Bible talks about grace, it'll mean getting what you don't deserve, right? So we talk, mercy is not getting what you deserve. I deserve punishment and death. Grace is getting what you, des what you don't deserve, I, you know, salvation and God. So here, what Paul is specifically talking about is a grace that empowers, enablement. Says, I am enabled to do this thing, Paul is saying, because of what you guys have provided, because of who God is. And now that I am preaching the gospel to all of Rome, you guys are a part of that mission now because you, uh, the Philippians are supporting him. They are now partakers. So that grace, that enablement that is enabling Paul is also enabling the Philippians. Uh, because they are, all ch they are changing, the, changing the lives of the Romans. It says, uh, so this isn't the first time, I think it's important as we were talking about how personal this letter is to the Philippians. This isn't the first time the Philippians have seen Paul in prison. We talked about the founding of the Philippian church in Acts 16 last week. That founding uh, continued in 16, starting in 11, Paul gets thrown into prison. He casts a demon out of a slave girl, and then because of that, they throw him in prison. And in prison, so the Philippians are used to Paul being in prison. In prison, there's a massive earthquake. It shakes the building. The jail doors fall off. The chains on Paul fall off. And uh, what happens is uh, the jailer is going to kill himself now. And the reason be being that if everyone escapes, the jailer gets punished for their, their crimes in that time. So, but Paul didn't escape at that point. He stayed, they stayed in prison. They were actually having a worship service when that happened. Uh, so he stayed in prison and then preached the gospel to the jailer. Um, so if you're... A Philippian, and you hear Paul's in jail, you're wondering, where's the rest of the story sometimes? You know, like, did the chains fall off again? What happened here? Well, this is Paul in jail again, Paul preaching the gospel again, but God has him there and isn't doing this, um, isn't uh, shaking the grounds again, right? So despite all of that, the Philippians trusted God, trusted that... Um, 
wanted to be a part of the work that Paul was doing and continued to um, have that grace. So they were empowered through partnership in the gospel. So in verse 8, we continue and we talk about loving wisely. It says, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I was watching a stupid internet video the other day. Didn't send it to anyone, but um, it was uh, the worst movie quotes of all time, and uh, which is, I knew some of them. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, X-Men, right? Uh, one of the, Halle Berry who plays Storm says, do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything, everyone else. And then, You're like, okay. So anyways, right? That's a stupid line. Anyways, uh, so the, the, the one that, that got me also was, um, love means never having to say you're sorry. And I think that is ridiculous. Like, I didn't even know it was from a movie. I'd heard the quote before, and I thought, that's a dumb quote. And then it got even dumber when, it, when I found out somebody wrote it in a script. Um, but like, I think we can all agree that that's, that's silly, right? Because love means being honest. Love means being true. Love means being, um, and love means saying I'm sorry. Uh, so Paul's prayer here is that they would love not only more and more abundantly, but truthfully, right? He says, with all discernment, um, with knowledge and, and all discernment. Those, there's a tension there, right? I'm supposed to love more and more and more, but I'm also supposed to have discernment in how I love like uh, discernment means to be careful and to be wise so how do I do those two things how do those two things live together like I want to be loving and I want to not be loving um, I think the, the the best picture of this I think is is Jesus Christ right so uh, in John 4 Jesus uh, meets with a Samaritan woman at a well I think you, you've probably heard the story but he meets with a woman who's out there in the middle of the day. The disciples aren't around, and he's talking with her. She's drawing water, and uh, as they get into it, as they start talking uh, about uh, who he is, he says, uh, go, and go, go get your husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you've, you've had five, and the one that you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, that sounds really harsh, right? But what Jesus was doing is telling her the truth, the honest truth, that all these men that you've been looking at for, for, for strength, for protection, for salvation, they, don't, they, 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 don't, they aren't going to fulfill you. But then he offers himself as the Christ to her, the one who can love her and strengthen her and fulfill her, right? That's what loving abundantly means. I think it's wisely loving, being truthful, and being sacrificial. So Jesus loves her enough to speak the truth to her without sugarcoating it, and then enough to die for her. 
And with that wise love in verses 10 through 11, we're supposed to approve what is excellent, to let our lives, let into our lives good things and remove the bad things. So a friend of mine uh, was, I was talking with, um, I was talking with her and she told me that the way that she deals with depression is she starts serving others. I thought, wow. Like, the way that she deals with her depression when she feels it is she starts loving on other people. And I thought, that's, that's pretty great. So she approves what's excellent. She lets into her heart the excellent things and puts, out, puts away the bad things. I think uh, depression is probably an example of something that can seep in and can, can, can drag us down. But instead, we're called to love. So in doing these things, we're supposed to love, be wise, be discerning, and prove uh, of the good things. And God will complete this work in you. And then Paul says, um, so that you may prove what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This is perfection. We're called to be perfect. And I want to be clear that this is not something that we earn or something that we achieve when it talks about being pure and blameless before Christ, in the day of Christ. It, um, there are two ways to interpret, the, to interpret this. Um, one way being that this means salvation. So now I need to earn by doing good things, by loving people enough, by uh, getting rid of all the bad stuff in my life, I'm going to be saved or I'm going to be more right before God, or I'm going to be any of those things, which uh, is not the right way to look at this. This isn't salvation. This is Paul speaking to us and saying, you are perfect. God has made you perfect now. You need to attain that perfection. Your perfection is in Christ, and as as God works through us, as he completes his work in us, those things those bad things will be eliminated and God will continue to work on us until the day of Christ. He promises that, right? So that perfection you have as Christians, that perfection is being revealed in you through God. So all of this has gone on with... um, between the Philippians and Paul in this partnership. Uh, I wanted to uh, say that we here in this church are here to partner with you. We here are, are, are here to uh, help each other, to empower each other, to love on each other, to pray for each other, to, um, to support each other in the uncomfortableness and uh, so we're going to go into a time of worship, and uh, we'll have uh, communion down here, and we're going to have uh, prayer warriors up front. And if, like, this week has been nuts, if you're uncomfortable right now, please come up and pray. If, you're, um, if you want uh, to to give it all to God and say and 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 thank him for the fleas come up and pray uh, let us partner with you through this okay
So let's, let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you, Lord. We pray for joy. We pray for thankfulness. We pray for grace, Lord. We pray for love, and Lord, and we pray for your perfection, Lord. We thank you that you don't give up on us. You promise to complete your work in us, and we just uh, want to submit to you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.